If you follow education in any way, you know that school boards are often an important part of success and challenges school systems and communities navigate. Over time, school boards have become more political than ever. In this episode, Jeff talks with Dr. Andre Harrison, Vice President of Accreditation Services here at Cognia. Andre has a rich history as an educational leader, including serving as a superintendent. Currently, he works with and trains school boards regarding role and policy development. As you will hear, he and Jeff discuss the ups, downs, and potential of district leaders working cohesively with boards of education. Two quick points we want to mention. For all of you leading schools right now, we thank you for your noble work. And two, let us know you appreciate this podcast with a rating, comment, or passing it on to others. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Leader Chat. I'm Jeff Rose, and we are so fortunate. I'm fortunate because every single week I have an opportunity to learn about topics that are extremely relevant to our leaders. Here at Cognia, we have what we call the Leadership Circle, and we support superintendents, executive teams, and so forth, and once a week, we provide content. Our content is really focused on the day-to-day opportunities, but let's face it, challenges that school districts across the country and beyond are navigating. So it's a very organic process. So we actually go hunt for and mine the content that's relevant. And we produce this leader chat, this show. And we are blessed to have not just incredible topics, but incredible people. And today is no different. I will remind you that you are hearing this content or seeing it in one of three ways. One, you're either watching it live right now, or you're watching the rerun, the video, if in fact you are a member, because we produce this content for you. And on a delayed manner, we have a podcast called Leader Chat that is publicly available and um, growing over time because uh, because of our guests. It has nothing to do with me. Today, um, I think everyone would understand why this topic is so critical. And we're going to get to it because our focus is 35 minutes. So we have to hurry. I have to hurry. The topic today is supporting school boards. Now, if you watch the news, If you focus on your local community, you know this is ongoing opportunity and dilemma, and actually it's becoming more political over time. Whether the board is, we'll say, ineffective, maybe there's some dysfunction, or maybe that they're high achieving and actually cohesive. So today we have a guest who's gonna help us talk through that because there is a level of knowledge and understanding and perspective into the topic. So in a minute, I'm going to be welcoming um, a, a colleague of mine, Andre Harrison. Now, let me tell you and read a bio, and then we're going to welcome here with us. And by the way, here with me, literally sitting next to me, as opposed to on video, which is always a fun opportunity for me. Let me tell you about Andre. Um, he is currently serving as the Vice President of Accreditation Services for Cognia. Dr. Harrison is a member of the Auburn University College of Education National Alumni Council, where he serves as the chair of Academic Affairs Committee. Before joining Cognia, however, um, he served as a superintendent, a chief of staff, a deputy superintendent, an assistant superintendent, director of curriculum and instruction, principal, teacher, and library medo specialist for Elmore County Board of Education. He has served more than 25, he has 25 years of experience as an adjunct university professor. 
He is currently serving as an adjunct assistant professor of educational leadership for the University of Alabama. So Dr. Harrison's uh, expertise includes educational leadership, board governance, finance, human resources, and school improvement. And you will see as we talk why he's the perfect person for us to talk about this extremely relevant topic. So, good to have you, Andre. I'm glad to be here, Jeff. It's always a pleasure to have an opportunity to share some of my experiences, but most importantly, to support our colleagues and educators out there as well as school systems on just relevant topics to help them during their continuous improvement journey. So again, I'm glad to be here with you. So I read your bio. Let's just start. What did I miss? And like, how have you been? It's been a kind of strange, bumpy couple of years. So what did I miss in your bio? And then how are you doing personally? How are things? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad that we're now being able to sit together on yes, set that's right. and actually do a live interview together. I think, you know, this is year 30, 30 for me and working in education, but you nailed it. You pretty much covered everything except for I was a bus driver and I drove the school bus until I retired as superintendent. And today I still hold my certification in Alabama for school bus because who knows, I may go back to that job one day. <laughs> Hey, it's hey. I've I've I don't have. I'm not certified. I once drove a school bus for a video as a sitting superintendent. Um, I assumed it would be a piece of cake and I'd be good at it. That's not easy. I, if not, I don't know how you do that with screaming kids. That's a that's a wild job. Yes, yes. You have about a twelve and a half ton machine full of gasoline and about seventy five or eighty kids behind you. Very interesting. And then you have to deal with all the traffic around you. <laughs> so, so then your job, right, and you have an opportunity to, you know, engage and watch school boards. What have you noticed over the past couple of years? What I have noticed, great question, by the way, you know, school board members want to do the right thing. They are committed to their systems and the boys and girls in the system. But what I have seen right now with school board members, you know, Across the United States, you have some school board members that are elected, you have some that are appointed to their position, and when you have school board members who sometimes find themselves in a position where they are having to make decisions that are not tied to continuous improvement and the success of students in their district, that's where the challenge comes in, or a school board member who decides to work alone on different topics and become the spokesperson for the board and or the district without the right information and doesn't work collectively with the board and the superintendent. So I, I, for the most part, school boards are being effective, but now we do see some challenges tied to where we are as a nation currently. And that's why I try to support and work with school board members and make sure they understand their role, their responsibility. It comes back to, I ask school board members right away, do you have an effective, up-to-date strategic plan that is driving your decisions and making sure that you're monitoring and adjusting that plan when you have situations that may disrupt some of the work that you're doing and you're coming back together as a team and focusing most importantly 
on the boys and girls. Yes, we know that you have to approve the budget. You know, that's state law and everything that you have to do that. You know, we know that you have to go through so many different trainings. But what I tell them, you know, go back and look at your gaps and plan from there. Because every school board is unique in its own way. But the main thing I will tell you that it is crucial that boards operate effectively because effective school boards equal success for boys and girls and the system as a whole. Yeah. I, so I, I, if people are listening right now, they're shaking their head up and down. Mm -hmm. I, I promise you, people who understand, who are listening or watching this, they're agreeing. Um, and I'm going to agree, but I'm going to push a little bit more because okay. um, you're more polite than I am, okay. I think. Okay. Right? <laughs> um, now, I agree that the majority of school board members, they, their why, their, their motivation is typically fairly pure. Correct. I also want to add that I think it is a political dilemma that sometimes board members find themselves in. And I actually think it may be getting more challenging now than ever. I see that some board, most board members have these pure intentions. There are some that consider themselves as politicians and not necessarily supporters of the school districts and are coming with an agenda more so now than ever before that I think is only adding to the political polarization that we're experiencing. Correct. And almost hijacking Correct. or distracting Correct. the focus on kids. So I guess my question for you is, you know, that narrative that I just described You're that's right. politically cumbersome. Mm -hmm. In fact, our CEO, mm -hmm. Mark Elgart, mm -hmm. said, you know, school boards are actually more political than politics. Yes. Which I thought was a really interesting comment. Well, Would you add yes. or subtract let me, this? Let me tell you, if you just now look at our nation as a whole, you know, you've got a lot of different types of people running for school board. Back in the day, when people ran for the school board, they ran for the purpose of supporting their communities, their schools within their communities, making sure boys and girls had what they need. It was more tied to operation back then rather than continuous improvement. But now, as you said, some people run on an agenda. I'm going to get there and I'm going to change the curriculum. We're not going to do that anymore, okay? Or I'm going to go in and make sure we have this policy. Or sometimes they choose a side and determine that this is my agenda and this is what I'm going to change. And the biggest thing I tell school board members, you know, yes, you can run on that agenda, but it's not as easy as you think when you get there that you can change that agenda because you've got to have your colleagues and others and you've got to act within statute before you do it. But you're absolutely right. I just, you know, I keep up with school board members. There are over 16,000 school boards across the United States. And the most interesting thing with all of that, what I'm seeing, people are getting on those boards, as you said, Jeff, for the purpose of their own personal agenda, and sometimes, of course, tied to politics. And that's why when I'm working with school board members, I try to bring them back for the real purpose boys and girls and making sure that the boys and girls get a quality education because when they leave your system they're going to represent represent you you know it goes back to the term college or career ready 
Yeah. And I ask boards, are you producing students for the job down the road from a futuristic standpoint? But again, if they get distracted, that's the word I'd use. You know, if you get distracted by a personal agenda or a group of constituents who will tell you, I put you in there, you're going to help me with this. Yeah. Then you're going to really lose the real purpose of why you are there as a board. And again, I think it's very important for boards to get continuing ed on how to be an effective school board member. It's interesting, you know, that if you came on with a personal agenda and you're really pure about helping boys and girls and you go through continuing ed and finding out what's the true role and responsibility of an effective school board and you make that change for boys and girls, then I've connected and I've won. That's what I want, and most importantly, the boys and girls have won within the school. So I agree with you. It's out there. Well, I'm glad you agree with me, because if you didn't, I would have called you a liar, and I would have continued <laughs> the show by myself. Yeah. And you would have said, yes, we knew you were a former politician as a superintendent. Yeah, yeah, well done. <laughs> you walked that line well. So, so then let's, let's um, uh, you, as you manage and support and actually kind of do some board training and yes. so forth, um, what, how, how do you manage and support when, whether intentionally or unintentionally, because it happens unintentionally when board members sometimes will overreach, I'll call right. it. Like there's a, there's a line relative to roles and responsibilities Correct. for a management and right. leadership of, say, a superintendent, right. their one employee. Right compared to what the board is really aligned to do, right. meant right. to do, right. elected to do, and yet right. that, that line is sometimes crossed. How do you uh, train and support, and what are you seeing as far as that kind of sometimes overreach? Very good. Well, number one, let's talk about training. What I do first with board members, again, it's important, I think, with any type of training that you give folks time to reflect. So I open my training with two or three questions. One question may be to board members, do you understand your roles and currently understand your role and responsibility as a board member? Number two, do you feel that if you know them, do you feel that you are functioning within those roles and responsibilities? Talk about how you collaborate with the superintendent to ensure the district's success. So we take some time to reflect and we talk about from a research standpoint, from across the nation, what about four or five things that school board members do? Number one, setting strategic priorities for the district, making sure, of course, that you know, in some cases they're gonna hire a superintendent. In some places they get to hire the chief school financial officer, having a good budget, but most importantly, making sure those strategic priorities align to the success of students, boys and girls. However, you know, when there are times, you know, when we, we talk through examples, and when I have districts where boards sometimes get into the day-to-day the -day operations, that's yeah. the biggest one. You yeah. know, I know you know this, that I deal with complaints for Cognia, and all the complaints come to me. And when I look at complaints tied to school boards, most of it tie back to, or ties back to school boards getting into the day-to-day -day operation, what we call micromanagement, if you want the research term. Yes. So, <laughs> so when that happens, you know, we take time and say, all right, you've hired a superintendent to run the school system, okay? Board members, when you come together as a board, that's when you're functioning, that's when your power 
or authority mm -hmm. would take effect. Otherwise, let the superintendent run the school system. An example would be, Jeff, let's just say that when I was running for superintendent, you were my campaign manager. Okay. And uh, your son goes to Chris Richard High School and gets in trouble and gets suspended for three days. And you said, well, I'll tell you what, I'm calling Andre Harrison. I put him in there. He's the board president. My son is not going to be suspended for three days. I don't care what that policy says. You call me up. Instead of my telling you, well, have you talked with the principal? We have a policy on that. Go talk with the principal or the superintendent. I go to the school and I tell the, super, I tell the principal, you know, your contract is up in March. I think I was a five-member board. I think I've got three votes. Let me tell you, I'm not threatening you, but, but I need you to fix that. And I need you to fix that for me as soon as possible. And because we need Jeff Son back in school. He's a good boy. He's in church every day. No problem at all. And he just had one hiccup. And y'all going to put that boy out of school for that. And I get pressured at the principal and say, well, we got a policy, but I need a job. And so I've just gone in. I violated my own policy that I voted for. And it gets even worse. I get on social media and say, yes, I'm the board president. I make those decisions. Then I go the next day on the local radio station and say, oh, that policy wasn't valid anyway. We need to change it. So we're going to revisit that. And everybody sees it, that I have gone in and what we say usurped the superintendent's authority. And I've really backed the principal in a corner. And everybody sees it. And plus, I put it on social media. It's out there on the radio. And I will tell you again, it's documented. Sorry for that example. No, it's, it's, that it's example. the perfect Let me tell you why it's that example so good. Okay, number one, we have uh, members watching this, and they're doing one of two things. They're, they're shaking, shaking their head. <laughs> or they're laughing. Uh -huh. And the reason they're laughing is because they know mm -hmm. this happens. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, this say people listening to the podcast who don't have the insider perspective, they may be thinking, mm, that sounds kind of extreme. Let me say publicly, that's not extreme. Correct. That happens. It happens. And sometimes to even more extreme scenarios, sometimes less, but the the I the thought I was rather nice in that one. That's right. The spirit of that dilemma happens all the time. Mm -hmm. So as you're getting complaints, mm -hmm. because that's one thing that you know you experience in your role here right, at Kanye. Right. I heard you say that um, at least a high percentage of the complaints that come through the school district process have to do with the, the micromanagement of the board? Is, is that how you'd I would say it? I would say three things, Jeff. Okay. Good question, by the way, for me to recap. Number one, micromanagement. Number two, policy violations. Number three, we see boards sometimes having norms and they've adopted norms but then they're not following those norms. So if I had to rate them, I would agree with you 100%. Micromanagement, okay. policy violation, and then we get into some norms and situations. Because again, some of them have approved norms as policies and sanctions. Yes. Okay? Yes. So all of those things are happening. 
But you know, uh, as far as the complaints, I will share this with you. As I look at the camera, most of the complaints that we have received recently tie back to school board governance. Really? Oh, really? Yes, sir. Most of the overall complaints. complaints. Yes. Last quarter, and I was last quarter, mm -hmm. most of the complaints that Cognitive received dealt with school board governance. And, it, and, and, and the number with school board governance, it was over 100 plus. Okay, so let's, rather than us uh, pick on school boards, right. let's empathize with them for a minute. Right, okay. Um, so we already identified that there are some individuals that sometimes run for the wrong reasons. Okay, surrendering prayer, maybe there's nothing we can do about that. But there are a lot of board members that actually run for the right reasons. Correct. Find themselves in the seat, and then all of a sudden, they're in this political pickle. Mm-hmm. Right, because they know that they're answering, so to speak, to the very people who potentially voted their community. Yes. Who may have one perspective. Correct. Which is sometimes a political perspective. That's true. And then, of course, their job is to support the leader, their one employee, mm -hmm. the superintendent, mm -hmm. and the organization. So let's just talk about how do you think that sometimes even pure intention board members find themselves in this kind of predicament? Like, what, what happens? What are you seeing that happens? It's not even their fault. It just is like, you know, it's a victim of circumstance. Great question again. And that does happen. I have seen that. And, you know, I agree with you. You know, we have a lot of board members out there that do things and, and they are effective and they get it right. You know, focusing back on what I said, you know, having good strategic uh, priorities, visions and goals and what have you, and keeping it focused on the student and sometimes even asking themselves, when I'm voting on this recommendation and what have you, a resolution, how is it tied to students? I've even seen board members tie their resolutions or recommendation to priorities in their strategic plan. But let me tell you, going back to your question, what I've seen too, I want to talk about inside the schoolhouse, or the institution and outside the schoolhouse when okay. it comes to a school board. Most often, the people inside the schoolhouse, your principals and your teachers, rarely do they call a school board member as the example I gave. They work through protocol and work through the principal. The constituents or the external community members, you know, parents or leaders, sometimes when something does not go their way, then they reach out to the board member. And the board member, sometimes they're innocent. You know, you and I both been superintendent. You know, you taking in some phone call, thinking somebody called and said, hey, Jeff, how are you? I heard that your mom was not doing well, and I just wanted to check on you. And so you're thinking that that phone call, and then you pick up the phone. So it's a bait and switch. Thank you. Somebody <laughs> screaming, hey, did you hear that my son did blah, blah, blah? I need your help. I supported you. I really need you to look into this. And you call. Yeah. And you're not ready to answer. You're going, I was thinking this person was calling to check on me. I was not prepared to deal with this. Or somebody from the media calling you on a number that you're not familiar with and you are a board member and you think you have to answer. That's I talk to board members all about dealing with the media and everything because just because they call you, it's okay to be in the paper saying no comment. Or that is a personnel matter and we don't comment on personnel matters. That is okay. But sometimes people get caught off guard 
And of course, you know, sometimes I will say this, you know, we get in our positions and honestly, it's human nature to sometimes have some type of ego where I feel that I've got to respond. I am a board member. I was appointed or elected by the people. This is a public service position. So I must represent myself well. And again, innocent mistakes. We have all made them. I know I did. That's a school bus driver. That's yeah. <laughs> a principal teacher sure. and everything. But here's the thing. When someone helps me and works with me through that mistake, then I don't want to get caught doing that again. And, you know, so I, I've had a board member, you know, when I was training some boards in Alabama who called me up and said, now the media has reached out to me. We have a protocol from the board standpoint that the superintendent is our voice. He and the vice president come will work and come together, but the superintendent who runs the day-to-day -day operation of the school system, he is our voice. And then I said, well, let him be your voice. Direct the media and let them know the superintendent is the person you need to talk to. Because again, you got to remember, if you're doing the day-to-day -day operation and you are so involved in everything that's going on, you're going to know about it. If I'm a board member, who may have another responsibility, then I may not know. And that is okay because that's why you have the superintendent and his or her staff. So again, I think about that powerful question you asked me. Yes, I think there are innocent mistakes. But again, board members just have to know that it's okay that you don't talk to the media. It is okay to tell your constituent or ask your constituent, have you talked to the principal or superintendent and redirect them. That's very important, being able to redirect the situation. You know, um, e ego is a problem, whether it in leadership in general, whether it be a school board member I hate to or go a there. superintendent, right? Mm -hmm. But it is true. It's true. As soon as uh, a person starts to assume the responsibility and almost take a position of authority because it's expected of them. Mm -hmm. They focus, therefore, more on themselves than the actual vision of what they're supposed to, right. what they're supposed to do, right? Right, right. So um, it sounds to me like a lot of your role as you work and engage and kind of train school boards is to help them understand their the responsibility specific to the vision of the school district, mm -hmm. um, policy, and overall oversight as opposed to the ongoing day-to-day. -day. Am Correct. I just beating that to death or is it my accurate? You're accurate, but I think that's important. I mean, for our people out there to know that that's the responsibility. If we had to do those big three, you nailed it. Okay. And people need to know that. Uh, and, and, and that's the expectation, you know. But again, as you said, Issues are going to happen. Things are going to come up where if you are a superintendent, you're sitting there thinking about, you know, if someone had told us, Jeff, in 2020, that in two years or a year or months from now, there's going to be a pandemic that shut down the whole world. We would say, oh yeah, right. That happened. But there were effective school boards that came together and figured out what to do to support boys and girls and make sure that there was organizational effectiveness in their school system and continuous improvement continued. They figured it out. 
And let me tell you one key element of that. They came together collectively and worked as a team. You've got to be able to agree to disagree. And that's why board norms are so important. And that's why it's so important when you agree on those norms that you abide by those norms. And I will tell you another thing, you know, that I remind board members now, just like we're recording today. The key thing is most, and you know this, most board meetings now recorded. That's right. <laughs> well, hey, let's, let's actually talk about that because um, I have never turned on a, a news channel or Saturday Night Live and watched a, a skit or recording of an effective school board. Mm -hmm. It's actually not very newsworthy. Mm -hmm. It almost comes across as a little bit boring. Mm -hmm. Correct. The only thing that we think of when we think of school boards is sometimes the dysfunction, right? The, mm -hmm. the wild behavior that occurs, mm -hmm. not just from board members, but also from the public, you know, yelling and shouting right, at board right, members. Right, right, right. But there are effective boards right. and teams right. out there that mm -hmm. don't make the news. So right. maybe just walk us through as you get to see and work with some highly efficient and effective and team-oriented boards. What, do, what does that look like? And maybe give us just kind of a sense that it is actually happening because people may not know that because that's not necessarily tweet-worthy. Correct. I would tell you, number one, what I've noticed about effective school boards, Cognitive uses a term about your current reality. Your noteworthy uh, achievements that you're doing, uh, the success you're having, your strengths, and your challenges. Effective school boards know how to come together and plan effectively and make sure that they look at their current reality tied around the learner, mm -hmm. what's happening in the institution, and also what's happening in the community. They're connecting learner, institution, community, and they're looking at data to see what's happening, you know, from, and what I love about effective school, uh, uh, school boards, a lot of people think student performance data is important, but effective school boards are also looking at demographic data. They know down the road that we're getting ready to lose teachers because we have looked at our data and we see that we have most of our, we've got teachers with 25 years plus experience. So what are we going to do? They're looking at student enrollment. They're looking at grad rate and having discussions. And they are, they are able to monitor and adjust for effectiveness. So they're inside their schools. The superintendent and the board can go to any type of civic organization and stand and say, what's going on with the learner, the institution, and the community. They know from the community standpoint that they're doing surveys and focus group and getting buy-in and perception from those community members. So it's a lot going on, but I come back to they know their current reality, and not only are they strategic planners, but most importantly, they are strategic thinkers. Well, you, I, I'm glad you brought up data because um, sometimes data gets turned into this political conversation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What are the grades of our school and how mm -hmm. do we track mm -hmm. that? So how do we get to a place where school boards are also focused not just on the political data, on what are the grades of our schools, mm -hmm. A through mm -hmm. F, mm -hmm. but to your point, 
Let's look at the data specific to infrastructure mm -hmm. that lays the tracks mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. success in the future. I'm so glad you brought that right. up because data, it doesn't have to always be political. Right. Sometimes right. it's right. about infrastructure and the vision tied to the strategic plan, not just is the community going to be mad with what gets printed in the paper? And I'll tell you one thing. I tell board members, you know, back in the day, and you know this, Jeff, when we started looking at data, we would have big notebooks powered with data. I said, don't become data rich and information poor. Yeah. I said, you really need your data to communicate and you showcase the work that you're doing. You know, it's funny that you say this. You know, when I've talked to some school boards, they even look at their capital outlay plan and the data that's within that plan, and they can communicate with their constituents. You know, I know that District 1 is getting a new gym, and I know your constituents are concerned, saying, well, we don't see dirt being turned in our community. Why are they getting a new gym in this community? And you can pull out your capital outlay plan and say, we're on track to do that. This is the money we have. This is the reason we did. Let's go back to our strategic plan and let's talk through that. So again, I, I, I tell school boards uh, certain types of data they should be looking at. Of course, student performance data, demographic data. I mean, program evaluation. What, how do you know your programs that you're voting on, you're spending, spending millions of dollars on, how do you know they're being successful? Are you just repaying the subscription or what have you? How do you know that? You know, superintendent, I had principals and my leadership team during board work sessions. We just had data talks. Mm -hmm. We had district data meetings where the board was, and there were no decisions made, but at least the board were, were made, and they were informed, yes. you know, of what was going on. And we also just had little fact sheets. You know, I went around with the fact sheet. And I stress to board members, and I find this very interesting, you know, certain board members, all they want to do is make sure that we have the right amount of money. You know, long as we're not in the red, I'm happy. Do what you need to do. That's, that's important. But also I want you to showcase where our school system is out of the 132 school systems in Alabama and why and how did, what did we do to be number 10 in reading. That's a major accomplishment. What did we do? How did you support that as a board? Number one, you decided to, you looked at the data, you saw that, hey, we need reading coaches in school. We saw that we need to support the curriculum in reading and literacy and what have you. So you can talk about that. So again, board members, it's okay for them to have some knowledge, fact sheets where they can talk about the system. But again, they lean on the superintendent for the day-to-day -day operation. And of course, the other one, perception data. I think that's very important. And so some people say, well, how about capturing data that's tied to experiences with the students and the school? I think that's powerful also. It is. So again, I think it's okay for boards and leadership teams to come together and just really talk through their current reality. What are our strengths? What are our notable achievements? But at the same time, what are our challenges? And down the road, have we, planned, have we planned for a futures thinking standpoint? Because I use COVID for example, none of us were ready for this. It hit us and we had to figure out what to do. You know, some people say to me now, I can't wait, I can't wait to get back to the norm or some level of normalcy. Jeff, I'm, I'm afraid this is the new norm. So, 
Once a week, and clearly, Andre, it's, it's really obvious, as, as our listeners um, would agree, you've kind of been here, done that, and you get to see yeah, this I got happening the all over the country. <laughs> you got the t-shirt. So let's, you know, once a week, we provide our, our members with this content, right? But most of our systems of support for leadership are kind of roundtable processes. Mm-hmm. So I ask most leader chat participants this question, Let's just pretend that you and I are sitting around a table. Mm-hmm. And at that table are members, right? Superintendents, assistant superintendents, CFOs, etc. On this topic of working with and supporting and being a team with your school board, what would be your brass tacks pragmatic advice for them knowing what you know now? I would tell you, number one, making sure everybody knows his or her roles and responsibility and how they impact the effectiveness and success of a school system. I would also encourage them, let's talk about your current reality. If you're not sure, when you leave the table, go back to your school system. Do just like we did. Have some round table discussions or focus group discussions and talk about it. Go like we used to do in the past. Get the big post-it paper up and just have a point where you're talking about challenges and talking about successes and what have you. And let's just listen. Let's just talk to them. And also have uh, not only school board members and principals and internal people, get some external people like your community leaders and what have you. And just really sit down and plan for the future for your school system. That would be my number one advice. Dr. Harrison, um, this has been fantastic. I'm so I'm so thankful you're willing to come and be here with me face to face. Yeah, it's fun, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's fun, and and what a relevant topic. So I just know that I appreciate you, and 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 so do our members and listeners. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. It's all my right. pleasure. Um, by all means, ladies and gentlemen, it's um, I'm assuming it's obvious, just like it is to me, as I get to sit and learn from a lot of people doing this work. And Dr. Harrison is no different in that way. This is a relevant topic. We hope that you have enjoyed and appreciated this as I have. And it's really obvious when I can send out an invitation for a think tank on working with school boards on a Sunday morning, which I did this week. And a matter of hours later, that room was filled with a group that we met with yesterday on this topic, 10 superintendents from eight different states on a think tank on working effectively and efficiently with school boards. This topic is relevant and we appreciate Dr. Harrison being with us. Everyone, be well.